and welcome to episode number 87 of Investing from the Beach. I'm your host. My name's Chris Hansen. I've got my co-host with me today, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hey, it's Chris Lamb here. Uh, if it's your first time listening, thank God we didn't have the record button on 30 seconds ago because we're telling very, very <laughs> inappropriate stories. We get each other laughing before we do this. But if it's your first time listening, welcome. Um... My suggestion would be to go listen to this episode and see if what we say grabs you, if it resonates, if it makes sense. And if it does, terrific. Maybe listen to another one of the later episodes, maybe the episode before this one. And if if a couple of those grab you, then I would say go back and start at episode number one. Um, And maybe numbers one through about 10, 12, something like that. That'll give you the foundational aspects of what we're trying to convey to people. And then eventually work your way all through them. The idea behind the podcast is to talk about time freedom and what it takes to reach time freedom. Uh, Chris and I both worked at IBM. We were both in sales. I've got about 18 years longer on earth than Chris does. So I have 18 years, 18 years more of, of gray hair sprouting. I haven't seen Chris much. I, I saw him a couple of weeks ago, but hadn't seen him much in the last year due to COVID. And I still didn't see any gray hair there. So. Yeah, it just rings on my neck. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that, that's described in an earlier episode. Yeah. But we uh, we both hit freedom via the stock market. Uh, again, we were working in sales at the time. I was, I'd was been at IBM about, I think, 18 years, something like that, when I left. Uh, Chris had just come on board as an intern. We met there, realized through a couple of discussions we had, we both shared a love and a passion for the stock market. Uh, it started a, a friendship that just keeps growing and growing and growing. I'm very blessed, very thankful, love him to death. It's an awesome, awesome thing. From a, a perspective of where we are in life to see how you might relate to either one of us, <clears throat> um, neither one of us work. Uh, Chris is married. He's got a two young ones, uh, relatively a newborn and one that's uh, just very early elementary age. He and his wife are able to spend full time raising the kids, uh, doing that at home. So that is a very, very cool thing. Um, I'm on the other end of the scale where I'm 18 years older and he is uh, getting to the point where I'm like, whoa, I could actually do, I'm coming up where I could do a legal IRA deduction if I wanted to. I think it's 59 <laughs> and a half. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> That's <laughs> right, huh? Yeah. I never even thought about that. And so I'm up on that age. I've got a kid that's uh, just coming the tail end of high school. So we are at opposite ends of the schooling spectrum. He's just getting used to what it's like running around with kindergartners and first graders. <laughs> getting used to, okay, now we get to move on to the college side of things and see yeah. what we're going to do there. Yeah, I got, I got kids entering the school system. You got kids leaving the house. And I have a kid leaving the, like, yeah, leaving the school system in the house. Yeah. Um, but you'll see as we go through this, the intent again on the show is to talk about time freedom. Uh, there's a huge difference between that and financial freedom. Uh, you, I won't need to go through it on this one. You can hear it on earlier episodes, the differences between them, but they are dramatic and they are significant and they are hugely important that you understand. The genesis of the show, full disclosure on this, <clears throat> I do teach a class on the stock market. If you have an interest in it, great. If you don't have an interest in it, great. There's our ad for the <laughs> for the show, eight seconds and that's it. You can find more details by uh, clicking around on the website for the for the podcast. It's investingfromthebeach.com. Click through the tabs up there. It'll link you to it on one of those. Let me think what else. Oh, in this show, we may end up talking about topics that might 
possibly be construed as as us giving advice. If it sounds like we are, we are definitely not. Neither one of us is licensed. Uh, Hell, neither one of us is employed. And in order to be licensed, you have to be employed. So we don't qualify from that standpoint. At one point, we both did hold a license. I will let it go a number of years ago because it was a pain in the butt. And so anything that you may sound like we're suggesting or whatever you might Con, what do you call it, infer from our discussion, we are not. Strongly encourage you to go sp- speak to someone who is a financial advisor, is licensed, and can speak to you about <clears throat> the pro-con of any topic that we may talk about. We are definitely not giving advice. It's strictly education and uh, just a little tiny um, of, of entertainment. Yeah, a little smidge. If we can make you smile, that's the intent. And we're definitely not professionals, <laughs> but we are unprofessional. Yeah, and we do that very, very well. And you'll find as you listen to a number of episodes, I've, I get people reaching out all the time that say, man, I feel like I know you've been listening for all this stuff. And it's weird to actually speak to you on the phone. Um, if, By the way, and I'll, I'll say this now as opposed to at the end of it, if you've got um, thoughts on this show or prior episodes you want to share them with us, you can reach us in a couple of ways. Um, at that website I mentioned earlier, investingfromthebeach.com, if you click around there, there's a contact us section. You go in there and type in your stuff. It gets sent to me. I pick it up. Chris doesn't like reading emails, so I forward him. He contacts me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We say contact Chris, but it's, you know, the way it used to say when we, uh, when we both had the license, like, you know, we've got one guy or one name and you get two people. One of us is smart. One of us is good looking and you got to figure out which one is which. And so, but when you send an email, you get the smart and the good looking guy. The other guy won't, won't read it unless I forward it to him. Uh, but you can reach us via email. You can reach us via phone number, um, 747-242-3224, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, phonetically, it's spell, if you think about getting on an airplane anywhere in the world, jump on a 747 airplane. Within 24 hours, you can be at any beach in the world, and that is our phone number, 747-24-BEACH. You can reach us that way. Um, what else? How else would they want to reach us? What am I forgetting? Uh, you did email? Oh, email is investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. I think that's all I got. Anything you got that I should be adding into that? No. So let's see. I, normally we don't usually talk about the dates that we're recording this. We try and make this evergreen content, meaning if you're listening to this now, which is in early December of 2021. Um, in fact, we had, in fact, the day that we're recording this, was that 60, 41, 80, is it 80 years ago? 80 years? Yeah, 80 years ago today, there was a very historic event where we had the attack on Pearl Harbor. Oh, so I didn't have that date on me. Yep, huge amount of respect for that. Just a small little interesting story on that that has nothing to do with nothing but just interesting, weird trivia. Um, my gr- I think I think it was my grandfather's sister, if I remember correctly. So my great aunt was a nurse in World War II and stationed at Pearl Harbor. During that time? During that time. And so she was there during the bombing. And if I remember right, her I think it was her husband was killed. And so, and she stayed there and, you know, stayed stationed there. And if I remember correctly, I think she remarried another serviceman. And he also later was killed. I think he was killed in the Battle of Midway. And so you think, wow, I, I can't even imagine that. <clears throat> but that was the kind of stuff that went on. But nonetheless... 
why the hell did I feel compelled to say, oh, because it's December 7th is when we're recording this. <laughs> but the idea on this is to make this evergreen. However, what we're going to start off talking about is a little bit about the current market environment. And if you're new to the stock market, cool, jot some of this down. You go back and see if you can see what we talk about. If you're a lot more experienced with the stock market, cool, go back and look in the past and see if you can see what we are talking about. <clears throat> it's not uncommon at all. And again, we're not giving advice, but go back and look in time. It's not uncommon to see this time of year from yeah, maybe October-ish, sometimes in September, but generally October-ish, through about the end of the year, we tend to have a long, drawn-out, bullish move. And it's not every single year, but you go back and look at it, there tends to be a there seems to be a historical tendency of it being a bullish move. And as you get into about Thanksgiving time, it's not uncommon to see it either go sideways or a slight pullback. Some profit-taking. <clears throat> profit-taking. And then from mm -hmm. there, that happens... It can happen that in December you see what's you might hear it referred to as a Santa Claus rally, but it's basically a a little bit more of a surge as you go into December. We're not giving advice. Go back and look at charts over the last thirty years and see if you can see that. And if you do, you go, oh, that's what they're talking about. And now, coupled with that, we've been on a you know we bottomed out back in uh, March of '09. <clears throat> We've been on a tear ever since. And a couple of pullback areas. You know, we recently went through a pullback. I don't even know if it was 10% that we that we just had a recent drop down. Um, but in the 5%, 10% range, whatever that, whatever that decline was. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, and look at that. It kind of lined up with the Thanksgiving historical tendency that you see. And now you start to lift from here. Where was I going this one? What was our pre-show? What were we going to talk about? I lost it. Uh, we didn't mention a pre-show. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was more about current market environment. That was it. But yeah, but current market uh, just kind of give people a uh, something to think about. And I think it's, you know, it's still, uh, even though it's current market, it is still evergreen because you can apply this general understanding, you know, for the years to come because it typically happens that way. It might not happen on the same date or at the exact same scale, but it tends to flow that way. And, uh, you know, there, there are years where when I say profit taking, so if the market sometimes is heading down going, you know, uh, or down in the market is going down prior to going into Thanksgiving, uh, and, and that December period, then that period tendency, uh, can be to the upside, right? Because, uh, you know, if, if investors are, uh, trading to the downside, then they can profit, you know, do profit taking by closing out those positions, and it can push the market, you know, higher when they do that. So that's why we say profit taking. Yep, it's going the opposite way. The other thing to be aware of too, and again, because we've been on this long bullish run <clears throat> without a, a significant drawdown or decline, mm -hmm. you have to remember that market tops are violent, market bottoms are calm. You never see a market. Never. You go back and go back and study these back to the back to the crash of twenty nine, even prior to that, and go back to nineteen oh seven with the uh, the panic of oh seven. When you see a market bottom, you'll see that it's almost always very calm, and when you see a market top, it's violent. Mm -hmm. And so, when people are saying, "Well, does this mean we're at a top because we started the pullback?" Like, uh, it was a pretty calm. <laughs> calm drop until we got to the Friday after Thanksgiving. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll see, again, you go back and look at these, and you'll see that market tops are violent. And go back and look at, you know, take charts literally going back 100, 130 years, and you can see that again and again and again. And it's the market bottoms that are quiet. Now, does that mean that when we eventually top out in the current um, bull cycle that it's going to be violent? There is no guarantee. But again, you go back and look at all the previous market tops and you tell me what you see. Again, we're not giving advice, just giving, hey, something to keep your eyes open to as we go forward into next year. Yeah, over time, I mean, you develop the experience to recognize what is going on instead of saying, you know, I'm predicting this, but I can tell what is going on right now. And then as the days, weeks, months unfold, you get more information and you'll be able to tell what's going on at that time. Mm -hmm. So you don't really need to predict, right? It's more about trading. What is the market doing? Not what you think it's going to do, not what you hope it's going to do. What is it currently doing? And you trade to that level. So that leads in. Do you have any more to say on that? Because that's our that's a good segue into the next part, which is dealing with goals as we go into next year. No, go ahead. <clears throat> so it's if you look at the typical, I won't say average, I'll say the typical person, uh, about three weeks from today, so the latter part of December, December 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, right around in that time, once you get through Christmas, people will then start thinking more seriously about what am I going to do different next year? What's going to change? I resolve to do this. I resolve to be this. I resolve to have this, whatever your new year's resolutions. And it's basically setting goals for the upcoming year. And it's interesting because if you already have an idea today, in fact, you should have had an idea back in November and October of what it is that you wish to accomplish in the, in 2022 you really should already have those plans mapped out and start executing it today. So you really have a, you know, not a 12 month window to get them done, but a 14 or 15 month window. And you start executing on that, write up your plans, figure out what it is that you want to do, what you're going to do, and then start executing in the October, November timeframe. And that gives you an extra two months of time to reach the objective. And it's typical if you listen to, you know, ask people on your New Year's Eve party, so what are you resol- what are you gonna do different next year? It almost always relates to the two F's, right? Your fat and your finances, you know, or physical fitness, if you will. It's, it's a pH, but we'll call it an F. But the physicality and the physical, or what do you call it? The fiscality, the fiscal side of it. But it's fat mm-hmm. and finance. <clears throat> um. And it's typically north of, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. There's a statistic on that, but I would say it's probably north of ninety percent that uh, of people's goals or New Year's resolution revolve around those two, you know, areas. Seems to uh, fit fitness and finance. Yep. And I think it's probably and it's you know you kind of the hangover from the holidays. You know, you spent too much money and you ate too much. Mm-hmm. So it, it's probably that's why. Yep. And then you get into January, so I'm going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you watch what you eat for a week or two and you go to the gym for a couple of weeks, maybe. And then by Valentine's Day, the gyms are empty again. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things that will present itself as an opportunity, it happens most years, as you get into, you'll see year-end tax planning stuff and then you'll see um, tax planning 
seminars that show up, trading seminars, how-to seminars from the brokerage houses. And it's not uncommon to see those show up usually in the first quarter every year. <clears throat> and they'll be put on by, you know, insert your favorite broker's name here, whether it's E-Trade or Fidelity or Schwab or, you know, Robin Hood, whomever, it doesn't matter. A lot of them will be done these days via Zoom. Um, I think more and more you're, you're going to start to see people are getting fed up with living in a living like a gopher in a hole, and so they're going to be more and more willing to get out and breathe one another's air. And so you may start seeing more sessions that show up in the hotel ballrooms that you can go to. <clears throat> one of the things to watch out for when you go into these events, and I've seen it year after year after year, it doesn't matter whose event it is, excuse me, these things will go on. And you see it even in... Uh, like education offerings and whether it's in the stock market, whether it's in real estate, doesn't matter. You're going there to, usually people go in there learning the how to do. It's rare that they're in there talking about the how to think, which is the purpose of this podcast. But in those how to do sessions, <clears throat> it's not uncommon. What it usually does, it's almost like a bright light in the evening. It attracts the bugs, attracts the moths that are drawn into the white light or the bright light. When you're in these sessions, always have your guard up when somebody approaches you about managing money for you. And you think, well, wait, why would they do that? It's a brokerage. They're the ones that are supposed to be doing it. It's like, yeah, you'd be surprised. There'll be some people that will be in there potentially looking to poach. And so as you gain experience in learning how to manage money, again, whether that's done through the stock market or done through you know, real estate, whatever it may be, I can speak more to the stock market. <clears throat> You'll find that it's a big enough pain in the neck dealing with your own emotions around your own money. And when you add in the issues of dealing with somebody else's money, and one, you got to be licensed and with that license, there's all kinds of responsibilities and checks, that you, uh, what do you call it, checks and balances and legal stuff that you got to go through. <clears throat> but now you're dealing with the emotions of dealing with somebody else's dollars. And from firsthand experience, it's a huge pain in the butt neck, <laughs> whatever word you want to put in there. And you get to the point of thinking, you know, is it really worth dealing with all the emotional upheaval and dealing with the the stink eye that you're going to get from your prospective clients when you have a bad trade, when you have a month that doesn't go your way. It's so much easier just to manage your own dollars. And yet you think, well, and once you get your head around this and realize that's a true statement, then you think, why would somebody be approaching me to ask me to manage their money? And usually it's a sign that they don't do it, they don't manage their own. Yeah. And it's yeah, a... I mean... If, if you have the know-how and the experience and to be able to manage your own dollars well, you, you're not going to want to manage other people's money. <laughs> no. Now you say, well, wait, then how come these guys are running hedge funds? When you're getting into the much bigger numbers, it's a different different strategy and approach. It, but go ahead. Well, the hedge fund, the hedge fund guys, um, their first skill is having the ability to attract money. Right, big dollars. Yeah, they, they're not going to so show they don't up. Need, at, they're not showing yeah. up at the hotel ballroom. Yeah, and and they don't, you know, um, I mean, they make a, a just a little percentage off of that. It's it, it makes them wealthy in a year. Yeah, it's a huge right? amount of money. Yeah, and then when you have that type of capital and money, um, 
you have all these opportunities that are available to you, not at the retail level. Correct. Yeah. So you, you hear of companies going IPO and all that stuff, people excited about it. Who's buying it before the IPOs? These are the big hedge fund dollars. Yep. Yeah. They get first dips. And so understand when you're in at the retail level, what that means is a, I think the word they use now is an accredited investor. I can't remember if they changed the phrasing. But it's basically those that have got uh, a net worth of $2 million and under, excluding your home. I think with inflation, it's probably $8 million now. <laughs> <laughs> but you can go look it up. But nonetheless, yeah. at that, <clears throat> unless you're north of that number, a hedge fund is not seeking you out. And so now you're at the, the retail investor level. And so just be, be cautious if somebody approaches you about managing money for you. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that they're all bad, not to say that they're all good. We're not giving advice. I'm just telling you to go in with your eyes open. The biggest thing I can, I can suggest or recommend is to be absolutely sure you understand that they know what they're doing and they can explain to you what they're doing. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned before um, on maybe some prior episodes that, or, or really earlier episodes that um, you know, the in the uh, investing uh, and and you know with the stock market, if you just spend a little bit of time to educate yourself and to learn about money and finance and and you know managing it, you're going to be much better off than, or, or you're going to be more knowledgeable than most uh, financial advisors or experts you call them uh, you know out there because they don't spend the time to do these things it's very systematic uh you know they spend more time uh, trying to attract clients and um you know uh, you know the legality side of it right yes. the administration and all that uh but as far as like you know are they sitting there looking at charts are they evaluating technicals or fundamentals whichever system they're using it they're not um most most are you know, most of your dollars are being put in softwares and the softwares are just allocating those money, you know, around. So it's not like you, you're having a, you know, somebody who's, who's making trades and doing all that, you know, with their experience to, to uh, grow your money for you. One of the things you can, I haven't, I don't think I've ever done this in the 86 episodes we recorded prior to this. If you click on the tabs on the investingfromthebeach.com website, one of them is called Profits on Wall Street. In fact, you can go to ProfitsOnWallStreet.com. It's the name of the class. If you go there, there's a tab there that says Listen to a Session. And it's basically a five-hour, think of it as a five-hour podcast. It's a recording of the first um, session that's available in the class. And I don't know, maybe it's about two hours in. I can't remember how far into it it is. I talk about a quote that Buffett made back to a... Um, uh, I can't remember thinking of that, CFA, uh, uh, Financial Analyst Trade Review or Trade Magazine. And and I talk about it in the class, and so I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i probably get it wrong in the story here. You can go back and listen to it. I say it much more eloquently there. But in essence, he was being interviewed by the industry, by industry magazine for financial analysts. And he made a comment in there that said, it's really interesting in that if you take a person that has a modicum of interest in business and investing, they do better managing their own dollars than when you put a professional in the mix because putting a professional in the mix, they have to get paid and there's nothing wrong with them getting paid for what they do, but they've got to get paid for what they do, which means that they're scraping a little bit off the top of your money, off your gains. And it was always, 
I guess, stunning and comical to me that in that interview they chose to publish that because basically it's saying <clears throat> for someone that has an interest, you don't need a financial advisor. Yeah. And this is the world's wealthiest guy telling you that. And for them to publish that, that hmm. <laughs> kind of it's like, like choking their own throat. Yeah, that's exactly it. But it's a, uh, and you go, you can go find it on on Google it. Excuse, excuse me. You go read the uh, read his quote. It's it's a really really interesting thing, but it's a very telling um, statistic. As and it's probably the uh, the only industry that that, uh, that you can you know be better than the uh, industry expert the, by doing a little work. Professional. I wouldn't call him an expert. Call it a professional. A profession. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't expect you to be a better plumber than a plumber. You're mm -hmm. not going to be a better. You can't clean your teeth better than a dentist can. Yeah. But with time and experience and know how you can probably beat the guys managing money. Um, but again, we're not giving advice. Just go do a little research. You'll like, I think you'll like what you see. Now, Chris, having said that you manage your own money, any interest in managing money for others? No, not at all. Not at all. And, and I'm yeah. not the same. So if you're wondering if you're a, an SEC regulator listening to this, we are not soliciting for funds. <clears throat> We're not licensed. And I have zero interest in doing that. And if somebody does have an interest in it, cool. Go get licensed. Do what you're going to do. Um, but you'll find that, you know, and everybody's different. I love time freedom. <clears throat> Chris, you love time freedom. And oh, yeah. adding that extra time element on there, managing money for others. Well, that's, yeah, it's a job, right? It's not a. Yep. Yeah. It totally is a job. And if you want the job, cool. We need people that want to do that. Yeah. But I think I've, it, it, I haven't run into a lot of people that once they know how to manage money, that they're interested in taking on money for others. Mm -hmm. you know, the first starting out, they may say, yeah, I want to do it to kind of, it's almost like what Buffett did back in the fifties when he first started, he took on money for others. And, <clears throat> but it was a very hands-off approach and go one of his books. Uh, it's a book called snowball. It's probably about two inches thick. Uh, but it's got a great history of what he had done back in the 50s and how he went about raising money from doctors and a number of wealthy clients around Omaha. And many of them, he says, are still shareholders in, Berk in uh, Berkshire today. So they're in it for the long term. <clears throat> Anything else on that one, old master? Mm -hmm. No. So we touched on the uh, the, the finance. <laughs> so... With the New Year's resolution, I guess, you know, uh, the industry understands what the goals are. And so, uh, you know, these they're marketing towards these goals is to sell you fitness and finance. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so be careful, uh, you know, have your guard on if you're at those events. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a good mindset to have to understand that the that's that's how the industry works. And, you know, for anybody who. Uh, are uh, experienced and, and, you know, they do well managing their dollars, they're not going to want to manage your money. I'm listening to that. I'm thinking that's a broad brush statement. You think, is that true for everybody? No, but you, you'll see once you, if you decide to go down this path and learn how to do it, you'll look at it and say, wow, it'd be really nice to make one or 2% on somebody else's money. You know, and if the, if the number, but you do the math on it and, it's not a lot of money for a lot of headache when you can just do it on your own. Mm -hmm. But as you, as you get further into it, you start running the numbers, you'll, you can run the numbers and you'll come up with your own opinion. 
I'd be stunned if your opinion varied widely from what we just said. Yeah, then, you know, I think it's also especially if you're, um, if you understand the concept of time freedom, and, you know, I think if you do, you, you, you definitely don't want, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's more if, you know, um, you, you don't understand time freedom yet. And so you're, you're after something, other goals or some, you know, something else that, uh, I guess keeps you occupied. Mm-hmm. You know, that they, they might do it for that purpose. I don't know. One of the things also I think you'll, <clears throat> people may have on their list of goals going into 2022, we've got finances or we got physical, physical, right? So the fat side of it, so you're going to get the gym membership. Hopefully you'll stick with it. And then we do the, the finances. A lot of things tie up are tied also related to jobs and career. Mm-hmm. I want to get a raise. I want to get a promo. I want to get a new job, whatever that may be. And one of the things we spoke about in an earlier podcast, we've, we've said it a number of times, and it's something that if we had to do it over again, I don't know that we would have done it different. We might have been more aware of it, is think about a job that offers you some sort of continual or continuing payout after you do the effort once. Yeah, and the payout doesn't have to be just money. Correct. So give me an example. Uh, could be, so say, you know, we're, we're in sales. We were in sales, right, um, working for IBM. Um, so, you know, I always tell young people to go into sales, and the reason is to acquire the skills that are important, right, uh, when you uh, do sales. And after you leave that job, the skill sets you pick up still pays through life, mm-hmm. right? Um, another example uh, that it could be in, um, you know, you joke around about, you know, being an insurance agent and, you know, if you tell people that no one wants or you don't want people to hang out with you, tell them you're an insurance agent, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've actually have some uh, or know some friends that uh, have gotten into that industry and ran their own, you know, uh, offices and agencies and uh they did, you know, they, they do they pretty do well. well. They don't have time freedom, but they're, you know, they do all right. Yep, money's good. Um, the money's good because they, you know, early on it's not because early on, uh, you know, you're still building, you know, your uh, list of clientele. But over the years, I say if you put in 10, 15 years of that, now you accumulated, you know, all these this money under management or policies, you know, uh, under you that continues to pay residuals. Mm-hmm. And so you could pull in, you know, uh, more than or, you know, north of a six figure income without doing a whole lot. Right. So that can pay well, uh, you know, financially for you uh, with the work that you've already put in early in the years. Yep. So it's 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 choosing a, a, a vacation or a job or something that continues to pay after you do the work. And, you know, other examples are, uh, you know, probably teaching. Um you know, uh, or coaching or counseling, uh, something that has an impact, not just on for you, but for those that you've provided the service to. Like, you know, um, you know, I, I've shared with you that uh, one of my high school, or one of my uh, elementary school teacher made a huge impact in my life. I didn't know it you know, until growing up looking back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what you can do as a teacher. And it doesn't mean, you know, it's it's an elementary school teacher or a school system teacher, but it could be a, a teacher in anything, right? Yep. Um, writing books. And, you know, today, uh, you know, how many people, you know, you see all these people out there producing content on YouTube, 
so you could be a content creator, you know, whether it's YouTube or other or the other platform. Um, but you know, it gives you a big platform and a huge opportunity. Uh, you know, so that you, you can you can do that. Uh, and then you know, from a corporate side, uh, business side, look at a company like Disney, where they you know create all these uh, films and products and that they continue to monetize throughout you know the years and and for the future. Right, you really can't destroy what you talked about it before, Mickey Mouse and the Lion King and all that, right? That they've created, and so every what I don't know, ten years or so, you know, they're going to have another movie or about something that they already did. Correct. And make make money again mm. off it. It's interesting. One of the uh, one of the students and listeners is an animator for Disney, mm-hmm. and he has sat in the class. So I've got a couple of uh, drawings that he has done. I guess he gets bored and he's in the back and he sketches me. And so then I get this note from him, go, hey, here you were talking to, you know, I've got the flowered shirt and the glass and whatever I think. And it's, it's actually pretty fun. It's flattering, but it's like, wow, what a great talent to have. You thought you, you thought he was drawing a guy at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> no, those guys are a lot smarter than I am. Um, and they work a hell of a lot harder too. But when you, if you go back and think about what the Disney model is, um, you know, you have a let's say Mickey Mouse just as an easy example. Mickey Mouse is it's a vision in your mind, right? If I say Mickey Mouse to you, you instantly get this picture of, I guess it's a him because you got Minnie mm-hmm. as the her, and all this. It got to be gender specific or gender neutral, <laughs> whatever the hell it is. But so we have Politics. Mickey Mouse. Yeah, exactly. So you've got Mickey Mouse, and he was. Um, the character was being monetized back in the 60s for kids that were born in the 60s. And it was monetized for kids that were born in the 70s and in the 80s and in the 90s and so on. And yet it's not a, how do you say, it's a, it's tangible, but it's intangible. Mm-hmm. It's not like a piece of real estate where you can go touch it. But now you can see all the drag along with it. And maybe Mickey Mouse is a bad example. We can use Lion King or... And you think about that and say, well, what's with Lion King? It's like, well, you've got the film. You've got, I'm, I'm sure there are probably, think of all the toys, uh, the merchandise. T-shirts, shows. Yep. yep. And <laughs> yeah. so, and now has your daughter watched Lion King? Does she know uh, about it? She yeah. has, yes. So she knows about it. She can, she can tell you the characters. Um, she watched it when she was a little young, so she knows about it, but, you know, not in detail. But, she, yeah, she can tell some characters, yes. Okay. And so, and then with that, you may end up buying her a t-shirt, a beach towel, socks, whatever kind of merchandise that has that, right? And it doesn't get the licensing off of that. Mm-hmm. Then you took her recently to Disneyland for the first time the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so she got to see stuff there. If the movie were to come out and be re-released, she would go watch that there. And that's, it, you know, that's been going on for a five, six, seven-year-old. But oh, now, yeah. five, six, seven years from now, there's going to be another you know, kid that was just born today that is now going to be in her shoes, you know, kindergarten, first grader, second grader, and now getting into that. It's a phenomenal machine. And so oh, yeah. it, it, it's awesome. And it doesn't end as long as we keep making little kids and we have you no know, new, new, new humans on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. We've got a new market for them or a product offering for them. It's such a such a cool business, and so you you create the idea once, and then you recycle it, 
And it's not even on a generational. It's not like every 20 years, right? It, you know, there's going to be a kid born this year and a kid born next year and a kid born the year after that. So it's it, do the work. Yeah, I remember uh, watching times. The Lion King. It made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have not seen the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know a thing about it. Yep. I mean, I've heard of it and I may have watched parts of it, but I have not watched it. Yeah. So whatever inappropriate stuff I said, just know that's it's I'm <laughs> clueless about it, admittedly. So back to that, but think about if you're you know thinking about, oh, I don't like what I'm doing job-wise, new career-wise, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Give some thought to the possibility, the applicability, the reality of getting into some type of industry, some type of job where it does offer continuous payouts in the future. Yeah. Right. Whatever that may be. Yeah. It's really giving you a, a, a way to think about, you know, jobs and careers and, you know, where you involve your time. Uh, if you are in um, banking, you know, mm-hmm. one of the easiest job is, I think, for young adults is, you know, to be a bank teller. You don't need a degree or anything. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I did that for, I think, six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> long term career. I, what's that? A long term career. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't I think I probably uh you know probably set the record for the shortest uh bank teller. <laughs> Six week bank teller. <laughs> but but it's it's one of the easiest uh you know entry jobs that a young person can get. Um and if you're doing you know, you're something you're you're in that industry and you're like, Oh, you're bored and you don't you know, looking to do something else while you're there. You know, um, I think if you treat that as an opportunity with the right mindset, you can get a lot more out of it than you currently are, which I think, you know, if you, you know, because you, when you go visit a bank, right, most of them are, you know, they're, 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 they're dressed like they're on Wall Street, right? Yep. And, uh, and they're always trying to sell you products and services. Mm-hmm. Right? And they don't know that you, you have access, they have access to these, you know, high net worth people all the time. And instead of trying to, you know, consult them or guide them to, you know, to the bank's products or services, why don't, you know, you ask them, you know, ask your, your the clients or the customers uh, to help you instead. Yeah. Right? How did you get to be a high net worth person? What yeah. did you do? Learn from them as opposed to sell to them. Yeah. I mean, they're the wealthy ones. So, you know, they can teach you. It's not yep. the other way around. Yep. And people miss that opportunity. So the, the smart you know, uh, bank employee, you know, they won't be working uh, for the bank that long if they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're looking for, I mean, when you think about it, you're looking to find somebody that is in a position that you wish to be. Yeah. And then just ask them, how'd you do it? Right? What did it take? What did you do? Yeah, and when wealthy people are more than willing to help, you know, for those who are who ask, mm-hmm. you know, willing to do the work. Yep. That's exactly it. It's funny you said something earlier about uh, you know teaching. You get the rewards. You're talking about your elementary school teacher. I didn't tell you this. I got the most awesome note I've received in quite some time earlier today. I was going to forward it to you, and I'm I, I'm not sure. I think I could. I don't think she would mind. But and I won't name her. But uh, let's see. Uh, how can I describe her so she knows that it's her? She lives in Gardena, California, and she's got a uh, got a relatively newborn. Um, but dude, it was like a heart touching, like, whoa, 
this is cool. This is why you teach. Note. You know, kind of the, hey, you've done all this life's changing stuff. You don't know what was mm-hmm. going on with me before, but, you know, everything is turning around. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So as she's listening to this, my, my response to her is thank you, thank you, thank you for that note. That was yeah. made the week. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm sure there's, there's you, know, uh, you know, only a small percentage of people actually write the note, right? And, and yeah, but yeah, but, there, but the impact is huge. Like there's huge. a lot of people out there that have, you know, felt this, you know, similar ways. Right. And, but they just haven't shared that with you. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and right? by the way, this is, yeah, this is not, please send me notes. I don't mean it that way. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Just... I'm just saying that it, 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 you know, it's a big impact. And when you, uh, when you teach and you, 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 you make a huge impact in, you know, people that, uh, learn. Right. Yep. Um, so that's, that's, that's something you want to consider. Right area to consider but you know i'll go with that even let me uh, i'll give everybody a to do if you've got kids think of what and if your kids are in elementary school you've only got a choice of one teacher right so you know what if the teacher is great cool it's an easy note to write if the teacher isn't so great you know what boost them up anyway write them a nice note say hey i appreciate all that you've done list out a couple things if your kid is in middle school or high school and they've got a favorite class, favorite teacher, something that had an impact, it would be huge if you as a parent took a few minutes and wrote a quick note. And, you know, not just say, hey, thank for what you do, you know, but mm-hmm. give it a couple paragraphs. That goes to, for the, the teacher that is doing what they're doing and all the crap that they're having to go through, that will make their year easy for any of us to do yeah give them an apple absolutely yep but but, yeah but don't don't give them literally an apple you know take (laughs) and it'll take you 10 minutes right it's you have 10 minutes to do that sit down and jot it out send it off to them and from experience i would tell you i mean it's easy to send them i get i get some very cool notes on email and i also get some handwritten ones that get sent in um it's and not that the emails aren't great but when you get the handwritten one, it's really interesting because you really stop and think about what you're going to say before you put pen to paper. And so just if you have the choice of emailing it to somebody versus handwriting it, if you have the time, <clears throat> the handwritten one um, is a, not, not that the other one is bad. I'm, I'm trying to think how to say that because it doesn't come out the wrong way. But it, it's, it, it, makes, it gives you pause when you're writing the note, when you do it with ink as opposed to typing it. I'll kind of leave it at that. So the young lady in Gardena, thank you again. That was an incredible note. I do appreciate it. Let's see. What else have we got? Any other stuff you want to cover? Man, we actually went short tonight. No. I mean, you, uh, I think you mentioned uh, two stories of kind of how to think about Somebody approaching the uh, yeah. education around stock market. <laughs> Let me think if I can go there without um, <clears throat> giving away too much detail. So it all goes back to the how to think aspect. Um, someone has reached out in the years that I've been doing this. And, and we've had a number of people that have been in this category where they do incredibly well in school. Um, you know, graduating top of the class. And I don't know what that is, Chris. I, it's cum laude or summa cum laude, whatever the hell it is. One of those, mm-hmm. to look it up, I don't even know what cum laude yeah. means, with honors, yeah. I guess, or with Latin, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> whatever Something. it is. Yeah, yeah, you got straight A's. Cool, good job. 
Um, you know we're not there. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't get that. You didn't get that. So that's why I don't know what it means. <clears throat> but the in really boiled down terms, it means that somebody has told you that you're smart. And they told you that based on the grades that you got in whatever system that you were applying yourself in. And that could be somebody who ended up going to med school. Usually those people are incredibly smart as they're going through school or, sorry, are getting incredibly high grades. Um, You may have had great support at home. You may not have had great support at home, which makes it even that more admirable if you're able to do that without a support structure underneath you. That's awesome. And then you get into the workforce and maybe you have accolades and promotions and, you know, attaboys and all that good stuff. And that's awesome. That doesn't translate to you being good in the stock market. It's a totally different way to think. That doesn't translate to you being good in the world of entrepreneurship. It's a totally different way to think. And then I compare that type of person and I Chris you've seen a bunch of them I've seen a bunch of them that go through the class Mm -hmm. Um, the stereotypical one is if you're unfamiliar with this doctors stereotypically are not thought of to be good investors you say it nicely I say they're one of the dumbest investors okay (laughs) so I was being very diplomatic you can say what I'm really trying to say go ahead we have a lot of you know, I, you, uh, you know, you, you tend to respect doctors a lot until you have them as friends. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I hope you don't get sick anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> so, right, the Lord is my healer. <laughs> yeah, you better hope the Lord doesn't have an MD next yeah. to his name because he ain't going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. You, you you probably want to seek a different doctor anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but what? <laughs> well, you know, a list uh, of about six, you seven people. Watching... <laughs> He's not talking about this person. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. You remember yeah, all the all the all the friends that are doctors and know me. I'm not talking about you guys. Yeah, it's everyone else. <laughs> yeah, it's it's everyone else. <laughs> But you remember the uh, the boiler room too? Right? Uh, did you watch that movie? Yeah, with uh, uh, the guy that just did the shoot, Alec Baldwin. Yes. Uh, and so you know. Oh um, no, I'm thinking Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Sorry. So yeah, I think they were making a lot of calls out to doctors, weren't they? I think you're right. Yep. Right. So they were just kind of you know conning these doctors, and uh, but yeah, doctors are, are typically they're the last one uh, you know um, that gets it or that that gets into the market. And I don't know, maybe it's a pride thing or, you know, keeping up with Dr. Jones or whatever. I have no idea. Uh, but when it comes to mo- investing, they, I don't think they understand. Um, and they usually are very, uh, I guess, maybe you could call it conservative, but, you know, maybe not. It just, you know, they, they don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. Um, I think what it is, Chris, in all seriousness, I think there's a, it's almost... It's almost like an academic arrogance mm-hmm. in that they've done incredibly well in school right? yeah. and they have to know they've got, a, you know, incredible strong memorization skills um, and then situational analysis. If somebody's doing surgery, as an example, yeah, and that um, there's a great amount of wisdom 
that is required well, with that, but it doesn't well, yeah, translate if, if to it, investing. Yeah, if it has to do with the uh, the pride part, I can see the reason is, um, you know, you used to sell to healthcare, no? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, yep. so, you know, in the uh, healthcare environment, the doctor's at the top of the food chain. Yes, yep. And so they're, they, they're given all these respects, you mm-hmm. know, even the CEO of the hospitals, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> so everybody's, you, you know, everybody's calling you doctor. Yep. You know, and you, since you graduated, right? Or since you gotten your uh, your your, you your degree, uh, degree or your license, um, and so I think that adds to that you know that ego boost and that pride and feeling like hey I'm at the you know I'm I'm kind of walking on clouds and stuff and, yep. and then when you enter into the investing world, you know you feel like you apply that the same way. It's like no, you 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 got you you're not a doctor in this area. Yeah, you have to go back right? to kindergarten. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, that's, that's the mentality that causes them to go slower, uh, that takes them a long time to get it. Yeah. And that's, um, a, that's a tough pill to swallow, right? If you're very yeah. good in your field and now you go into a new field and you think, well, I should be good because I'm smart. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. A, a friend of mine was hanging out with uh, a, a mutual friend of ours that uh, is a doctor and he's been uh, a doctor at Kaiser for, I don't know, almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were hanging out and, you know, this guy lives out in the Bay Area, came down and uh, they went. And then, you know, he my buddy told me about Dr. Friend uh, that, uh, you know, he shared with them about, you know, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and things like that. And uh, he uh, he kind of, you know, he he kind of ignored it. He didn't he, he didn't really, you know, know much about it and was very. Uh, I guess reluctant to do anything, mm-hmm. uh, and and then when you know my buddy told me, hey, I told him about that, and you know this is what his response was. I was so happy to hear that because that confirms to me that okay, the industry is still it's real, you know, yeah, it's real. It's still rel- relatively there's a lot of opportunity still because yep. when I hear doctors are you know starting to invest in it, it's like okay. <laughs> We're, we're no we're longer the, the opportunity is no longer there. Yeah, we're near the end. Yeah. yeah. So I think the the, the janitor uh, or the shoe shiner, right, is is not the last person. It's the doctor. <laughs> but so now, but so now, go with that. So you have that. And we'll, we'll use the doctor as a label. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to be someone that has an MD, but someone that has done um, historically has done well in the schooling system, right? The A mm-hmm. student, if you will. <clears throat> and then I had a really cool meeting uh, or met somebody friend of a friend about a week ago and young woman I I want to give too much away um, but she was from an eastern eastern bloc country when during the decline of I guess it wasn't just the Soviet Union but whatever was going on but when eastern bloc or communism was collapsing back in the late 90s And she ended up going to work as a young teenager at a circus. And as part of that work, her job starting off was literally to walk behind the animals, if I understood her correctly, and basically shovel the shit. And so her job was the absolute dirt of the dirt, and no pun intended, the shittiest job out there. But her job was to walk behind the animals and clean up behind them. And they said that they needed a, I believe it was a juggler. And would somebody be interested in doing it? And she put up her hand and said, I'll learn how. 
And so, and she had grown up in this small little peasant village where there was no opportunity, just nothing there. And said, oh, I'll, I'll try and do that. And so she learned to be a juggler. And from there was able to, I think the circus went on tour in the U.S., if I understand the story correct. I didn't get the link or the understanding as to how she was able to <clears throat> stay in the U.S. afterwards. But whatever reason she did that, she ended up going on to YouTube and becoming a, a huge YouTube influencer. And then saw other opportunities here, making a small little consumer product that mostly probably young girls would buy. Um and has just done incredibly well. And it's really neat in listening to her story when we were talking about a week ago. <clears throat> I said, you know, what's really cool is I look at you and I listen to this. You see opportunity all over the place in this country. And she's like, oh, my God, it's everywhere. I don't have enough hours in the day to go after it. I don't know which one to pursue next. And and what had started this uh, the mutual friend, they had made the comment about, yeah, we've been looking for someone to teach the stock market and just happened to be sitting at our table having a drink. <clears throat> and so I said, you know, you're the last person that I'm worried about learning this. She kind of looked and I said, because you started off shoveling shit and you know that you'll do anything in your power to not have to go back and shovel shit. And if somebody's telling you what to do, you'll just do it, right? If somebody's, you know, say, hey, this is how I got from, you know, it's kind of like you said at the bank where the teller or the, the mutual fund salesperson, the financial advisor was really a mutual fund salesperson at the bank. If they would simply spend their time asking the client, how did you make your money? Rather than trying to sell them on the mutual fund, they could learn a ton. Mm -hmm. And she has the attitude of asking, how did you make your money? What'd you do? Yeah. And she's taken notes the whole time. And so she's walking in with the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mindset, not concerned about losing. She already knows I'm not going back to shovel shit. And so if you tell me that I've got to jump through these 14 hoops, I'll do it. Not a problem. And so, and she's sharp, but now I don't know that she was an A student in school, but she's got a different kind of street smart as opposed to the book smart from somebody that was the A student and getting all the accolades and all the academic the yeah. cum laude, whatever it is. And it's really interesting. If I had to, you know, if each one of those mindsets was a racehorse, there's no question where I would make my bet as to who's going to succeed and who's going to wildly succeed. And that doesn't mean that the academic, uh, rightfully so, having earned the academic arrogance, doesn't mean they're not going to succeed. But the other person's hungry. And they're willing to do whatever it takes. And so you get to decide if you're going to take the investing route or go, go the new job route, career route, whatever it may be. <clears throat> you got to find something where you've got just this burning, relentless desire to be good at it. And you won't let anything get in your way. It's a critical component, uh, mm -hmm. that burning desire, uh, yeah. you know, because that, that that's what drives you to put in the work and 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 do it for a long time. Like yep. you said, it's, you know, you got to work hard, do it for a long time, follow instructions. Yep. <clears throat> and the doc did it to get through med school, right? So they've proven they can do it in that world. But when you get into the entrepreneurial world and the investing world, it's a different set of skills, and you got to find that 
that flame, if you will, that passion, that desire, just that burning, relentless, I am not going to quit. I am going to yeah. get this. And it doesn't matter when. And It's not going to take you one year. It may take you 11 years. It doesn't matter. But you're not going to quit. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was, I love that story. I would, uh, I'm, I may reach out to her. one of these episodes. I may see if she'll just do an interview. Maybe we'll get the three of us on there and just, because she was just fun to talk to. I just think it's a really, really inspiring story. Yeah. See if we cool. can get her to do that. All right. What else? Awesome. Yeah. It'd be cool. As opposed to the one that says, Hey, I'm not getting it in 90 days. You know, then I'm done. Like, yeah, go back to get a job. <laughs> it's not going to work. It doesn't work that way. Anything else? Uh, no, I guess in, in closing, maybe one thought is uh, when we talk about uh, New Year's resolution, uh, don't wait. And uh, it's kind of like, I guess I relate it to, I don't know if I heard it from a one of the basketball players, elite ones, maybe it's Michael Jordan. But uh, they said, you know, when he approached the game, it was it's really possession by possession. Right. And so it's not that's, uh, you know, can 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 we beat them this quarter or next quarter? Right. Or let's let's win this next game. It's let's win this possession. And so when you look at it from a New Year's. Go ahead. It's brick by brick. Yeah. When you look at it like from a New Year's resolution, why wait, you know, for the beginning of the year to start before you do something? It should be day by day. What are you going to do day by day to get better? Mm -hmm. And then it will translate into week by week and month by month. And then, you know, the year will go by. Right. And it shouldn't it shouldn't have a start and end date, you know, just continue to keep going. And then you won't need New Year's resolutions anymore. It's just it's it's like daily resolutions. And it's it's resolutions of execution. Mm-hmm. I'm, this is what I'm going to do today. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And enough of those pile up and pretty soon you've made some incredible progress mm-hmm. and you didn't realize it. That's cool. Anything else? Oh, no, that's it. Obi Obi Lamb, I think people are calling you <laughs> Obi Wan or Obi Lamb. <clears throat> so again, as um, as I said earlier, if you've got comments about this episode or opinions about, or thoughts about uh, upcoming episodes you'd like to see us discuss, by all means, send us a note or reach out on a phone call. It does ring through to my cell phone. If you call, I do answer. There's a guy from won't name his name, but he uh, he's reached out a number of times from Australia. We've spoken a couple times, and lately he's been trying to call, and he's been calling me when I've not been available. <clears throat> so, uh, Mr. Hughes, I'm, I'm seeing your calls. We shall connect. Um, just keep trying. We'll connect. <clears throat> um, as always, we know that if you'll put into practice what we talked about on this episode, on prior episodes, and on upcoming episodes, we know that it can help you get to time freedom. And time freedom to us is best signified by the sound of a wave that is crashing on the beach on a Tuesday. If you've not heard Tuesday waves, even in the winter, get down to the beach and just listen when there's nobody around. It it sounds so much better and so much more appealing than any wave you'll ever hear on a weekend when you've got to share that sound with, you know, thousands and millions of half millions of your closest friends. So as always, we appreciate you uh, listening and we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Say goodbye, Chris. Oh, goodbye. And <laughs> try Tuesday, uh, Tuesday t- uh, Costco's too. Yeah, that works too. Less people there. Thanks again. We'll talk soon.